This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. This is the SI Fantasy Podcast. He's going to see his production decrease at least 15 to 20%, so I think he might actually be a fantasy bust in 2020. Head to SI.com slash fantasy for all the latest news, advice, and more to help you win your league. I look at his athletic ability, his explosiveness. He's very good in the red zone. He's able to get you those touchdowns. I mean, this guy had five touchdowns and 30 receptions. That's pretty much unheard of. Don't forget to subscribe to SI Fantasy Plus for even more content you won't find anywhere else. Every single running back in his first year as the featured back under Andy Reid dating back to 1999 has been the RB10 or better. How can we go wrong here with the glide guys? Here are your hosts, Corey Parson, Dr. Roto, and Michael Fabiano. What's happening everybody? This is the SI Fantasy Podcast presented by DraftKings.com. Ben Heisler in for Corey Parson today, joined as always by Dr. Roto and Michael Fabiano. Guys, hell of a show today. Off of a hell of a week seven, there's so much to dive into. Uh, I don't know, Fabs, whether or not I give you the floor right now, whether we <laughs> save the, the Cowboys, uh, you know, fantasy eruption, at least from you, certainly not from the scoreboard uh, for a little bit later on the show. But uh, I, I will ask you, in the midst of what you saw on Sunday, uh, are you finally ready to just sort of have your woosah moment and just say, it's over, man. It's over for the Cowboys. It's over. Doc knew I was signing that last week. I said we were going to lose to Washington. I will not pick the Cowboys to win another game the entire season. I won't. The, the team is awful. Not only, and part of it, you know, the injuries, like you lose Dak Prescott. I mean, that that breaks your back, right? But the offensive line as well is all banged up. The defense can't stop anybody, okay? Can't stop anybody. Doc has been a coach. He's coached football teams, okay? Doc could probably run a play that would beat the Cowboys 75 yards down the field for a touchdown. I'm telling you right now that I, and, and Mike Nolan is a friend of mine and he's a great guy and I love him. Not getting the job done. Obvious. Mike McCarthy is not the right coach for this team. He's just not last week. The players were texting Jane Slater, my former colleague at NFL network, basically saying the coaches suck. Right. And then what happens this week? McCarthy comes out and says, Boy, the players really didn't back up their quarterback when Bostic took that ugly shot at him. And McCarthy's right, too. There is disconnect between the coaches and between the players. Jerry Jones, God love him. He's Al Davis part two. He is Al Davis part two. He should not be making decisions for an NFL franchise. And it's it's been a disaster, okay? 
this team, this is the worst team in the league. You know why this is the worst team in the league? Because they have the talent to be better and they are not giving any effort. And when your quarterback, I don't care if it's the backup or the third string, when your quarterback gets drilled on a cheap shot to the head like that and there's no response, no. This team is not in. They don't want to be out there. I'm tanking for Trevor. I'm losing for Lawrence. I know the Cowboys <laughs> wouldn't draft him, but at least if the Cowboys get the number one overall pick, we can maybe trade it for a whole bunch of stuff, which would be great. The Cowboys suck. Every team facing the Cowboys has to be a must-start defensively. So the Eagles this week are going to score about 30 fantasy points again. And all the all the offensive players, too. I'm frustrated. I don't know if I've ever been this frustrated. I understand that the injuries are an issue. But Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl-winning coach. And this is the product that he's putting out there. It's been an absolute disaster. And the Cowboys deserve every bit of criticism coming their way. And a bunch of it's going to be coming for me, not only on this podcast, but on my fantasy dirt show on Sirius XM. Doc, I'm done, man. Go, go Eagles this week. Yeah, dude. I mean, look, that was a dirty hit on Dalton. Okay, that was unnecessary. That was dirty. And, I, and I'm with you that, the, that his teammates needed to get in there and mix it up, right? Because that was just awful. Really. And, and I mean, look, Andy Dalton's, I'd say he's above average in his career. He's looked terrible this year. And a lot of that is the offensive line, which is injured. They're playing with backups. But this team, like you said, Fabs, it just, they just look disinterested out there. Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, you drafted Zeke third overall. You want any part of this guy right now? Yeah. You have Michael Gallup right now. You want him on your team? You're cutting him. I mean, CD Lamb, they could, a goose egg? I mean, I don't feel comfortable starting any Cowboy moving forward. And I think you're so right about J- Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones gets credit. And, and maybe he should in the beginning of his uh, you know, term with, with, with the Cowboys. But maybe a lot of that credit was for Jimmy Johnson, right? Because that uh, yeah, guy was a genius. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> right? That guy was a genius. So since then, he bring, and Parcells a genius. But since yep. then, he brings in guys that he can control. McCarthy was never respected in Green Bay, ever. Never respected. He won a Super Bowl in spite of his coaching. I mean, Aaron Rodgers won that. So, I mean, it is not getting better for the Cowboys. It, it is is only getting worse. The only reason that they're still in the playoff hunt is this is the worst division, maybe, maybe in the history of the NFL. Yeah, it, it might be the worst division in the history of the NFL. And it, it, it's, to me, I can't, and, and, and Doc, I, I remember the one in 15 years, okay? I went through the 13 and three years. I went back to that. That's how I felt when I'm watching <laughs> freaking Ben DiNucci, okay, like a deer in the damn headlights out there. And if he's got to start next week, he's going to get crushed. And people are like, trade for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why? This team sucks. How about trade for? How killed. about how about trade for Dwayne Haskins? Would you be okay with that? <laughs> I don't want anybody. I don't. Want now you're anybody. twisting the knife, no, Doc. Just, and, and, hey, Doc. Hey, Doc. So. If somebody offered you James Robinson for Ezekiel Elliott straight up right now, would you take that trade? It's cl- <laughs> it's pretty close. It's pretty right? close. That's how it's bad it is right it. now. That's how bad it is right now. It's an amazing thing to watch everything unfold. And of course, the Cowboys are going to be back in prime time for all of us to continue to oh bang our heads gosh. against the wall. Wait, Sunday night, right? NBC's got to be loving the DiNucci-Wentz matchup, right? Jeez Louise. I- 
And I, I think there's what the Steelers are playing the Ravens and somehow that game isn't going to get flexed into that spot. Pretty remarkable considering all the love that the NFC East continues to get when it comes to media exposure. But I actually do want to get your guys' thoughts on, on other components of this game. You brought up Andy Dalton having a terrible performance. I think he went seven of nine over the course of the day for 75 yards and a pick. Zeke Elliott, 12 carries for just 45 yards, averaging less than four yards per carry. Um, Amari Cooper at least had a solid performance of seven and 80, but you're right. Michael Gallup, CD lamb with complete goose eggs here. Um, and, and frankly, you know, Tony Pollard, if there is any sort of a, a thing that you might be able to feel good about long-term is that when he guts on the field, there are those flashes still, but I mean, are you starting any Cowboys, even in a matchup against Philadelphia next week, guys with any sort of confidence next week, no, you have to start Zeke. You have to, I mean, I, I don't know how you get away from that. Right. But confidence, no, not, not one bit of confidence. I'm more confident in the Eagles' defense than I am in any Cowboys play this week. What about you, Doc? Well, look, the Eagles have a great run defense, and they've been very, very stingy, right? So, you know, you'd want to play Zeke, but I don't think that this is certainly not the week that he's going to get healthy with the running game. And then do you feel good about them passing him the ball out of the backfield? So you look at that, the Eagles are a pass-funnel defense, right? So this is not the week for Amari Cooper is going to see Slay. So now all of a sudden, if this has to be a C.D. Lamb week, it has to be a Dalton Schultz week. When it has to be that, Dallas is in bigger trouble. I think so, too. On the other side for Washington, you saw some signs of life. But then again, it could just be what happens whenever you play the Cowboys defense. (laughs) That's right. Ask OBJ about that. No kidding. Kyle Allen ended up having two touchdowns on the game, still only had uh, 194 yards. But Antonio Gibson, this is the breakout, guys, that we had been waiting for over the last few weeks. Uh, J.D. McKissick continues to see action. Uh, Peyton Barber still gets way too many carries for my liking. But the fact is the uh, Washington football team ran the ball 39 times against Dallas, which I think surprised a few people. And conversely, Terry McLaren, uh, seven catches for 90 yards. He got back into the end zone, should have had two touchdowns actually on the day. And Logan Thomas, starting to slowly get back into the mix. He saw a ton of targets, Fabs, at the beginning of the year, kind of disappeared once they were dealing with all sorts of quarterback issues. But I I think he might be back on track here. Hey, man, the Cowboys, one thing they do, they make our job easy, right? Terry McLaurin was my start of the week at wide receiver. Giddy up. Logan Thomas, one of my DFS sleepers of the week. Giddy up. So when you're talking about the Cowboys, hell, Richard Rodgers, fire him up in week eight, friends. Uh, But listen, man, anytime... A team is going up against Dallas. The matchup's great. You're talking about a defense that's that's up there with the worst in the league. You know, Atlanta's defense is pretty awful as well, but the Cowboys uh, certainly the the worst defense in the National Football League. So looking forward, hell, I mean, like boy, Fulgham coming up. Oh boy, that's nice. And Doc makes a great point. You can't play Amari Cooper coming up. You can't. I mean, you probably have to. If you've got any kind of depth, you cannot play Amari Cooper. Not against Darius Slay. Uh, not with Danucci. Which, by the way, that's a good... It sounds like an Italian name, right? Danucci. Hey, Danucci! You know, so, like, I can't kill him too much because he's a paisan. But, yeah, I, you, I, CeeDee Lamb! I mean, it's it, it's an absolute just train wreck there uh, in Dallas. But it was good to see some of the Washington players, especially Antonio Gibson, who I've been very high on, uh, kind of go off and, and get that, that featured role that we all... Uh, we're expecting from him. Uh, Washington is on a bye coming up, but then they have the Giants, they have the Lions, the Bengals, and then the Cowboys again. So that's a really nice stretch 
for Washington's top fantasy options, which there aren't many of, but still uh, a nice four-game stretch after the bye. I, w- I would actually disagree with that, Fabs. I-, I think Washington's really onto something. And I think that there are options. I think Gibson is is a legit option. I think J.D. McKissick is a very sneaky option in PPR. I'm loving McLaurin. And Logan Thomas, you know, you've been talking about him. I've been talking about him. Look at the snap count on that guy. He's out there all the time. And when they drop back, he's out there all the time. So I think you're looking at a team. They need another receiver. I know they picked up Robert Foster, who, by the way, flashed before for the Bills. So he might be interesting because literally everybody else on that team is injured. But look, this is a good defense. They lost Landon Collins for the year yesterday, but they've got a great front four with Chase Young and Jonathan Allen. I mean, this is a solid team here. And look, do you think Dallas is winning this division? No. You think the Giants are winning this division? Certainly not. You think the Eagles are winning this division? Maybe, but I I think Washington has as good a chance as anybody to win this division. I don't think it's sort of this idea of it being wide open anymore. I I, I do think Washington is in play, especially uh, if they get guys like Chase Young back healthy, if they continue to put pressure on the quarterback. Remember, they sacked Carson Wentz, guys, eight times in that opening game. Now, granted... Granted, everybody was was pretty much non-existent or not healthy for Philadelphia, but uh, they're they're improving, and and I like Ron Rivera quite a bit to be able to at least initiate a turnaround here. We'll see whether or not there's consistency at the quarterback spot moving forward. I want to yeah. get your guys' perspective on Pittsburgh and Tennessee. This is a battle of two undefeated teams heading into the week. In Nashville, Pittsburgh ended up eking out a win, but not before Tennessee made a pretty valiant effort before Steven Kostowski ended up missing a kick in the fourth quarter uh, for them to lose the game 27 to 24. Uh, You know, from the Pittsburgh side, Fabs, with Ben Roethlisberger, I I think the thing that we had been waiting for is, you know, that he was so efficient for the first six games of the season. Uh, You know, he only had thrown one interception through three this week, uh, still didn't get above 300 yards. And I don't know whether or not I put that on the Tennessee defense or, or whether or not Pittsburgh just kind of took their foot off the gas pedal in the second half. You had a good game out of James Conner, got vultured with uh, a touchdown from Benny Snell. Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson also got involved as well with Deontay having two touchdowns. Uh, So for anybody that might have some concern about Ben Roethlisberger or Chase Claypool after the last few weeks where they were just completely locked in, do you think that's a valid concern? So Roethlisberger... The game started out very well for him, and then he had three interceptions, and the fantasy line was not all that good. A couple of things that we did have answered for us. Number one, Juju's not dead, okay? Uh, He's a matchup-based starter, but he's not dead. The matchup was right. Last week, the matchup was right, too. He didn't get it done, so maybe people shied away from him this week. But Ben Roethlisberger has an enormous fantasy man crush on Deontay Johnson. I'm not sure if Roethlisberger is playing fantasy football and Johnson's his wide receiver one. Every time that guy is active, he is getting targeted a ton. 15 targets in that game, as you mentioned. And Claypool did nothing. Absolutely nothing. So uh, I guess the, uh, what is it, the proverbial carriage turned back into a pumpkin for him as we are a week away from here, Halloween. So what I would suggest is that anytime Deontay Johnson is out there and healthy, he's got to be in your lineup because Ben absolutely loves him. Uh, Roethlisberger still the matchup-based starter. They got Baltimore coming up this week, as you mentioned. Uh, that could be a, a pretty rough matchup, but it was good to see Juju come back, bounce back with the 14 targets, nine catches. Uh, game script had a lot to do with that because this was a back and forth contest. But Deontay Johnson, and I mean, Doc, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's the best fantasy wide receiver in Pittsburgh when he's healthy, and I don't think it's close. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, he is a terrific route runner. And he, did you see that touchdown that he made with that juke at the end there? I mean, that That's was terrific. some pretty stuff. So I think, you know, 
it's clear that Deontay Johnson's the one, except of course he injured his ankle at the end of the game. So you're like, seriously, you're going to play next week. When there's the three out there, Johnson is, is playable. And then you have to look at whether Claypool or Juju has the better matchup. And sadly, I think you're just going to have to hit it right and depending on your lineup with each guy. Now, I love Chase Claypool. I do. I mean, this guy's a freak. And, but I, there's, you know, with the three of them out there, there's just no way to guarantee, you know, week to week that he's going to be consistent. But with those three being so good, I think Eric Ebron's value drops, even though it's been, you know, tepid at best. I really like James Conner. I think he's been solid. He's not sensational, but he's certainly good for like, you know, 10 to 15 points a week. Benny Snell is, if I'm in a standard league, I think he's absolutely guy to roster. He seems to be having a nose for the, the goal line. I think the problem right now with the Steelers is Ben, actually. He starts out the game looking good, and then he throws a lot of bad picks. I mean, Tennessee, by no means, should have been close in that game. And all of a sudden, they might have been able to win that game at the end. So that that was a little surprising to me. I think, too, if we want to sort of look at it from a long-term perspective here, is that, yes, Deontay Johnson is always going to be the play when he is healthy and ready to go. However... I think you might be able to, you know, finagle your way into a buy low opportunities right now on Chase Claypool. I think you can mention to whoever you're considering trading with that, oh, look what happens when Deontay Johnson comes back. But the reality is, guys, he's still limped off the field at the end of the game. He's still going to be a questionable tag almost every week. And you know that when Deontay Johnson's off the field, that means that Chase Claypool, you get that rocket ship emoji and you go all the way right back up because he's going to get way more targeted over the last several weeks. This is not... Uh, to me, I'm not looking at this as sort of an indication uh, on Chase Claypool not being fantasy relevant the rest of the year, even if Deontay Johnson's in the game. He, he's shown too much flash with Ben Roethlisberger. There's still too much trust initiated in this offense for anybody, I think, to give up on Chase Claypool. And if anyone's considering it, maybe it's an opportunity to buy low. Yeah, no question about that. And De- Deontay, that's that's the one thing with him. He's got to avoid injuries, man. Your best ability is availability. Uh, when he's out there, he's tremendous. But the you know doc mentioned you know he came off the field limping a little bit uh in that game and and that's that's the downfall for him and that's where as good as he is the the consistency and confidence level that fantasy fans have in him uh probably isn't as good as it should be I want to move on to Buffalo and the Jets, although I will say from the Tennessee Titans perspective, uh, Ryan Tannehill still a fairly efficient day, didn't go over 220 yards, still didn't turn the ball over. Uh, so I guess you can still keep the narrative that he's played well at home. A.J. Brown, boy, if, if you let him go after all of those injuries or you just decided to bench him, uh, you're missing out because this guy is an absolute monster at yards after the catch. He continues to show why uh, our Sean Childs actually had him at his, as his breakout wide receiver of the 2020 season. A uh, quick thought on Buffalo and the, and the Jets guys, because it's still the Jets and there's really not a whole lot to discuss, but, but Josh Allen, uh, these last three weeks, he went from an MVP candidate uh, to really somebody that you're just not sure what to do with uh, maybe heading down the stretch. It's an intriguing matchup. They're going to be playing new England next week. He threw the ball 43 times for 307 yards, did not have a passing touchdown, did not have a rushing touchdown. Uh, Doc, are you looking at Josh Allen at all differently than you did maybe the first handful of weeks of the season where that this guy was a starter each and every week and you didn't think twice about it? Well, Look, the problem with Allen has never been his athleticism. His athleticism is off the charts. And his arm strength is off the charts. It was the fact that he's not very accurate. So the first four weeks, when you see 71.7, 68.6, 72.7, 70.6, you're like, wow, maybe this guy has fixed the problem. And you're like, Brian Dable, Brian, Sean McDermott, you guys are great coaches, blah, blah, blah. And now all of a sudden, 63.4. 
51.9. And don't even tell me those numbers were good against the Jets because it was the Jets and Allen looked terrible. I mean, he's underthrowing his receivers. He's not giving them anything to catch and run. So, yeah, I think there are big question marks. And now you've got three weeks before their bye. You've got the Patriots. You've got the Seahawks. You've got the Cardinals. This is a big three weeks for Josh Allen right here, right? If he's going to step up and be this MVP type candidate, he's got to figure this out because if he's not accurate, you're ruining Stefan Diggs, right? The right. running game with Singletary and Moss is not good enough. So they've got to throw the football. John Brown's injury has been a big problem. Cole Beasley, thank God for Cole Beasley, one of the best free agent signings in the history of, this, of the Bills franchise because this guy's always open. But it's got Allen has to be better. The rushing yards make him look better than he is. He's got to pick it up. And against the Patriots, you know the Patriots are going to shut down Stephon Diggs this week. So Allen better find somebody else. Otherwise, I mean, they may win the game because Cam Newton really sucks, but it's an issue. And Fabs, I think Josh Allen might be starting to look more in the direction of Zach Moss, who a lot of folks may have given up on considering Devin Singletary's success when he was out and when he was injured. But he averaged 6.7 yards per carry in the seven carries on uh, on Sunday and then also was targeted more than Singletary in the passing game as well. I, I think there might be an opportunity here uh, to pick up Zach Moss in case anybody on your fantasy league let him go. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, the, the one thing that I'm, I'm concerned about, though, is that I don't know that Moss is going to take over and be a true featured back. Maybe he'll be in line to see more snaps and more touches on a weekly basis, but I feel like they're still going to use Devin Singletary, even to their detriment. But Moss was certainly looking like the better running back in that game against the Jets. Uh, Going back to Josh Allen, now you got the matchup against the Patriots this week, but is it really a bad matchup? I mean, I know Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do much, uh, didn't really need to do much because suddenly the Patriots went from a team that you can't run on to a team that, holy cow, you can run on all day long. I mean, Philip Lindsay went for over 100. Jeff Wilson, and by the way, Jarek McKinnon, thanks for nothing, uh, Kyle Shanahan. At least let us know, maybe in advance, when you plan on resting one of your players. Fantasy fans would really, really appreciate it. But uh, going back to that Patriots defense, they have been awful against the run. I think, I think Josh Allen's going to bounce back. I believe the last time he played New England, which was towards the end of last season, he put up a really good stat line and the defense was much better. So I still have faith in Allen. It it does uh, bother me a little bit that the numbers have not been as good lately. But to me, that that running ability uh, is going to help any quarterback's floor. So I don't feel like Josh Allen's ever going to really kill you, right? He's got got a chance to put up 30 every week, but his floor is probably, what, 16? And if I'm getting 16 from my quarterback as the floor and I've got a pretty nice ceiling, I still have confidence in this kid. And to be honest with you, uh, if somebody out there in your league is maybe down on him, I try to uh, buy low at this point. Now, Patriots gave up 197 rushing yards. That's a season high for them against the San Francisco 49ers. In fact, they've given up a lot of chunk yards to a lot of teams this year. Gave up 135 yards on the ground to Denver the week before, 154 on the ground to Seattle in that week two loss, as well as 126 yards against the Raiders when they ended up winning back in week number three. Uh, To the Panthers and the Saints, guys, this was a good opportunity and a hell of a game. Teddy Bridgewater nearly completing the revenge game narrative. uh, Still ended up with 254 and a couple touchdowns a great great performance from dj moore you still just want to see him targeted more guys because you know the yards after catch are going to be there still only had four catches on the day for 93 yards and a couple of touchdowns but robbie anderson continues to make a name for himself we saw bounce back spots 
Well, yeah, I, I would say, you know, maybe bounce back in the sense of, uh, you know, he got more opportunities in the passing game, just wasn't able to deliver it for Mike Davis. And, you know, I was told, Fabs, that, that Drew Brees was dead, that uh, it's over for him. I hated and, uh, him. I hated him in that. I will eat that all day long. I will eat the crow, egg on the face, whatever you want to say. I didn't like him at all. I mean, Carolina had been one of the toughest defenses in the league to throw on. They hadn't been giving up any fantasy points to quarterbacks. I, I mean, they've held some pretty good quarterbacks down next to nothing. No Michael Thomas, no Emmanuel Sanders, uh, a recipe for disaster. And guess what? Drew Brees goes out there and uh, gives you, what, 23, 24 fantasy points and even rushed for a touchdown. So uh, it is what it is. Now, though, he's got the Bears coming up next week, and I believe that's a road game. So uh, how much confidence do we have in Drew Brees then? But, yeah, Brees played very well without his two top options in the passing game. And – the, the Saints didn't really do a whole lot on the ground either, which was a surprise right. because Carolina has been really bad against the run. Uh, going back to Bridgewater, though, he's got Atlanta coming up. Bridgewater's had 19-plus in three of his last uh, four games, or two of his last three games. No, three of his last four, actually. And one of those games was Atlanta. So Bridgewater's back in that streaming category once again. Uh, as far as Breeze goes, though, hey, man, uh, the old guy did it without his top two options and played very well. And Carolina's defense did not come out to play in that contest. And meanwhile, Doc, we were introduced, at least many of us, to Marquez Callaway, who ended up leading the team in receptions and yards, had eight catches for 75 yards, did not get into the end zone, also led the Saints in targets. Are you looking at Callaway uh, as somebody that is actually very fantasy viable, even with Michael Thomas likely coming back soon? But By the way, I want to give a lot of credit to Steve Renner who, if you read his ambush article, said, did, don't yes. play Traquan Smith. He said, play Marquez Calloway. And I know Renner's a Saints fan, but good for you, Steve Renner. You're probably the only guy in the fantasy football industry who nailed that. So congratulations. Let me say this about Drew Brees. Next week, it's Chicago. You want no part of him. The week after is Tampa. It's going to be sketchy. But then it gets so beautiful. Week 11, Atlanta. Week 12, Denver. Week 13, Atlanta. Week 14, the Eagles. 15, you've got the Chiefs, which is rough. And week 16, you've got the Vikings. So that from week 11 to week 16, you got one tough game. Drew Brees might help somebody get to a, a fantasy playoffs for sure, but go deep in their fantasy playoffs. And I'll tell you this, you have to be impressed with a guy who controls the clock like Brees, who gives his receivers a chance to catch the ball, unlike Josh Allen. I mean, Drew Brees is one of the most accurate passers ever. And to win a game with Marquez Calloway, Deontay Harris, Traquan Smith, and to control that clock and to keep the Panthers off the field, which is what you have to do with the Panthers because the Panthers are very good offense and very well coached. All credit goes out to Drew Brees and the Saints. Yeah, salute to Drew Brees. Salute to Marquez Calloway for getting himself into fantasy relevance. And yeah, salute to Steve Renner for uh, getting that uh, bold call 100% right. Salute to you, Steve-O. Uh, let's move on, guys. Got the Packers and you have the Houston Texans. Green Bay bounced back in a way that uh, I heard you guys talking about on the podcast that we all really expected. Even without David Bakhtiari, uh, Aaron Rodgers continued to have a strong game. You saw Jamal Williams. Uh, saw both of you guys tweeting about him that this was a must-play spot for him. Uh, uh, and, and probably one of the more chalk values on the board at DraftKings this week uh, at 4000 bucks. But, you know, he ended up having over 20 fantasy points. And we saw why he was involved in the running game, had 19 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. And then Devontae Adams, like there's just no words for the amount of targets this guy is seeing, for the amount of total production he's putting up. 13 catches for 196 yards and two touchdowns on 16 targets. 
I, I think about it from this perspective too, Doc, that every opportunity that um, Packers general manager Brian Gutenkunst, and I don't want to say his name incorrectly for fear that this podcast might get uh, bleeped, uh, but I, I think for whatever <laughs> reason that uh, it, they continue to not give him the weapons that he could really, really use, and he still makes the most of it. And Devontae Adams, when healthy, is having the type of season that we saw out of Michael Thomas a season ago. Look, Devontae Adams is the number one receiver in, in fantasy football. I don't think there's even a question about that right now. I mean, he gets so many targets. And look, I, I the running, they've helped the running game, right, with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, who did nothing for people who I thought people thought that were going to have a good game. Jamal Williams looked very good. You know, Bobby Tanyan looks pretty good, right? He's actually stepped up. You know, they need another receiver. Alan Lazard is very talented, and I think he's about two weeks from coming back. So when you see Lazard back, just watch for the Packers because the Packers are playing some good football right now, and they've got the best cover cornerback in the NFL in Jair Alexander without question. They're putting pressure on the on the quarterback, right? They really hammered the Texans, who had no chance in that game, by the way. And I, and I think the Packers are pretty close. I know they're missing that second receiver and they're just doing it with a bunch of guys, right? Bunch of Jags. But when Lazard comes back, the Packers are going to be one of the teams to beat in the NFC. Is Lazard a, a stash and cash guy for you at this point? Without, without question. I, I think that if you don't get him this week, you're not going to get him because people are smart, right? So you get him two weeks before he comes back because all of a sudden next week, people are going to go, Lazard's coming back. So you're going to have to bite the bullet, pay the extra couple of dollars this week and get him. Uh, on the other side, Fabs, you know, we thought this was going to be an ideal moment for David Johnson to finally get himself going. Now, he saved face. He ended up getting a receiving touchdown here. Still got four passes for 42 yards, but it, it's just not pretty right now. 14 carries for only 42 yards. Deshaun Watson continues to have plenty of opportunities for him to run, and he's just not dumping the ball off to David Johnson in a way that I thought we would see more of without Bill O'Brien. So is this, are we at the point now with David Johnson that he's no longer, uh, you know, a weekly startable option? And especially on the daily side, we keep thinking the price is going to go down. He's going to get the volume and consistency, but I think we all have to sort of come to the reality check here that we just have to move on from David Johnson. Well, so as an RB2, yeah. I mean, he hasn't lived up to expectations, but I feel like most people are probably going to have to start him on a regular basis though, because the floor hasn't been terrible. He just has no ceiling. Right? Correct. He's given you 12 points a game. He had 16.4. Right now he's tied for the 12th most points among running backs. That's not terrible, right? But it's also the Packers. Their defense is terrible against running backs. So now I agree with you, David Johnson. I think he's a flex starter every single week because he's given you 10, 12 points minimum. It's just not what we were sort of hoping and expecting from him going into the season, knowing that, well, he's the featured back and he's going to catch the ball out of the backfield, which we would actually like to see a little bit more of uh, in reality. So yeah, he has not lived up to that RB2 expectation at this point. But the fact of the matter is you're getting 12 from him uh, minimum most weeks. And so that still makes him a startable asset clearly during the bye weeks and at worst uh, as a flex. One thing I want to go back to, uh, Doc was talking about Devontae Adams and how he had this huge game. So Believe it or not, but week seven is trending towards potentially being the second most points per game in PPR leagues among wide receivers in the history of the National Football League. Wow. So we, we've, and Devontae Adams uh, is a big part of that. And of course, you know, we've still got the game going on tonight with, uh, with some pretty talented wide receivers going. 
No doubt about it. To uh, Doc's point as well regarding Alan Lazard, if you are looking for him in your Yahoo League, he is currently only rostered in 31% of leagues. So you're right. This is the opportunity to go ahead, jump on the Alan, Alan Lazard train before it ends up leaving the station. Some big news coming out of Cleveland today, guys. Odell Beckham Jr. texted Josina Anderson, said that he has a torn ACL, is now done for the year. So obviously devastating news for anybody that rostered Odell Beckham Jr. But my question is this as we start with Cleveland uh, en route to their 37-34 win on Sunday against Cincinnati in what was also a terrific game. Baker Mayfield had his best game of his fantasy career in the NFL. The five touchdowns were a career high for him in his NFL time. Uh, He was also really efficient, 22 of 28 for 297 yards. So he was taking deep shots when he was able to get him. You saw an emergence with Harrison Bryant, the tight end that they drafted this year. Rashard Higgins had six receptions for 110 yards. My question is, are we looking at Baker Mayfield as somebody that we can pick back up moving forward as a quarterback option the rest of the season, especially, especially with no Odell Beckham Jr.? Because the reality was is that he had his best game basically without Odell Beckham Jr. even there. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy? Right? I mean, the they clearly don't have chemistry. There's no rapport there. They they just can't get on the same page. It's amazing to me that Baker Mayfield has maybe his best fantasy game ever. Right? Five touchdown passes, and OBJ was basically not there uh, out of the game very early with the knee injury. That just tells me something. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Maybe he's going to end up being a better quarterback without OBJ. It sounds insane because he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. But unfortunately, this whole Cleveland thing just has not worked out. Now, getting back to the question, I still don't trust Baker Mayfield. I can't. I just don't. It was the first big game he's had all season long, right? I mean, his ceiling had been, what, 15, 16 points to that point. He's got a good matchup coming up next week against the Raiders. So that's something to think of when you have four teams on a bye. I don't know, Doc, maybe I just have a blind spot towards Baker. I still just can't trust him. This offense is based on the run. And as good as the tight ends were in this contest, uh, a lot of that had to do with the Bengals. And then also, Baker Mayfield's done really well against the Bengals, historically. Nobody else, though. I don't know, man. I just don't trust Baker. And you shouldn't because Baker is not to be trusted. But let let me build on your comment about Baker's best game without Beckham. When Beckham is out there, you have to feed him because he will whine and cry and be uh, and throw a tantrum if you don't. So what happens is it almost forces Baker to look to Beckham first and maybe even force the ball to Beckham when he doesn't want to. And that's a problem. Now, some quarterbacks can handle it, but a Baker Mayfield can't. And it's obvious that he couldn't, right? Because, you know, Eli just doesn't care. Eli, Beckham could talk to Eli all day and twice on Tuesday, and and Eli just has a blank stare, right? Whatever. He's just going to throw the ball where he wants to. But Baker may have been listening to Beckham chirping, chirping, chirping. And so you could obviously, that Baker was way more confident. Now, was he way more confident because the Bengals suck? Yeah. Were they missing their best cover guy in William Jackson and Wayans? Yeah. I mean, I, I think we could probably throw for 250 yards against the Bengals. But that said, when you look at their schedule coming up, they've got the Raiders and then there's a bye. Then you've got the Texans, the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Giants, the Jets. Mayfield's schedule is not horrific the rest of the way. Will Will they throw more than 32 times a game? Probably not. But if I told you that Baker was going to go 22 for 29 for 242 yards and two touchdowns every game from this point forward, 
Would you take it? Hard not to, right? I, hard not to at least know that that's going to be what the floor is for Baker because we've seen a, a floor dock be substantially lower for Baker Mayfield. It'd be hard for me not to at least consider that knowing how inconsistent he's been over the course of his career. Yeah, if, if Baker goes out and has a big game against Las Vegas, uh, and it's hard to trade quarterbacks, but I'd maybe try to throw him in some kind of deal where I can sell high on him because I, I, I just don't expect it the rest of the season. One guy, by the way, to keep an eye on, and I know it almost seems kind of crazy to sound, but I just went and took a look over at Yahoo to see how, me- how what the, the ownership percentage is right now on Joe Burrow. Because the last few weeks, not particularly impressive, didn't yep. throw for a touchdown, but they were really tough matchups on the road at Baltimore, on the road at Indianapolis. But he has a terrific game against Cleveland, and all of a sudden he's back on the fantasy radar. Joe Burrow gets Tennessee next week then on a bye, and then at Pittsburgh. So tough matchups there. However, looking at his schedule from weeks 11 through 5th through 14 at Washington against the New York Giants on the road at Miami in week 14, the start of the fantasy playoffs, guys, he gets the Dallas Cowboys. Now, he gets Pittsburgh at home in week 15 on Monday night. Again, tough matchup, but week 16 on the road at Houston. Joe Burrow is going to win somebody a fantasy championship this year, and there's still a likely chance that, you know, in 36% of leagues, he's still available. And he's got great wide receivers right now to throw to. Tyler Boyd having another fantastic game. That was the guy that I was all over last week. Fabs, we were talking about it for a low ownership play with every going back to either T yep. Higgins or AJ Green. Uh, AJ Green is all of a sudden starting to show some sort of life. Maybe they injected him with, you know, the fountain of youth serum or whatever it is in Cincinnati and he's alive. And then T Higgins still caught a touchdown. Like there's very viable options on the offensive side of the ball in Cincinnati. Uh, and it's really exciting the rest of the stretch for this team on the offensive side of the ball, Doc. There is, but I'm going to give you if. Jonah Williams injured, Trey Hopkins injured, right? These are two of the five guys on the offensive line. I love Joe Burrow. I do. I think he's absolutely startable in fantasy leagues. In two quarterback leagues, I have Joe Burrow as my other, my second quarterback. Couldn't be any happier. But he needs the offensive line to stay healthy. He needs time. Right? There was some article that he uh, that I read recently that he's almost like David Carr, the old David Carr from the Texans, where the guy had ability, but he got sacked like 87 times in a year. Right. <laughs> I mean, you got to keep Joe Burrow upright. If you do, good things happen. He's a winner. He's a winner. But you got to fix this offensive line and you got to hope this guy doesn't get killed. I'm hoping, right? I'm hoping that this bye week that's going to happen after this game is going to help that team, right? Because if it does, you know, they'll, they'll be they'll be okay. Fabs, where do you stand on, on Joe Burrow and his projections and along with the rest of this Bengals offense the rest of the season? Yeah, he's certainly one of the players that you could pick up off the wire. And the, the, the matchup against the Titans this week actually is not bad. I mean, look at the numbers. They've actually given up uh, some pretty good stat lines to lesser quarterbacks, right? I believe Kirk Cousins had a good game against them. Gardner Minshew uh, had over 19 points against them. So I actually would play Burrow this upcoming week uh, in a home game against Tennessee. But I still feel like the quarterback position is so deep, guys, that I don't I don't consider Joe Burrow to be a weekly starter unless you're in a super flex or two QB league, and then it's obvious. But when the matchup's right, Joe Burrow can put up some very good numbers. You guys mentioned it. The weapons are there. I mean, they did this yesterday without Joe Mixon, right? And he's clearly their their top running back. So a lot of talent there in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor's in a good spot where his offense is going to score a lot of points. Fabs, let me like, ask you a question. Would you start yeah. Mike? Would you start Matthew Stafford or, or Joe Burrow? This upcoming week, Stafford. No, in general. In general. It, it would all depend on the matchups, but I'd be trending towards Burrow, I think, if it was 
uh, if the matchups were sort of neutral. Right. So I'm saying, yeah. do you, you don't think Burrow's a top 12 guy? Uh, they throw the ball a guy that you're starting every single week? They throw I the mean, ball a ton. No, I know. I get it, Doc. Look at his numbers, though. He's been very up and down. He's been very up and down. So I, I can't call him a weekly starter from a fantasy perspective right now. I, I just can't do it. There's too many good ones. I'd rather start Teddy Bridgewater next week. And Bridgewater's got Atlanta, right? So when you've quarter, the, the quarterback position is so ridiculously deep that on a week-to-week basis, I don't know that I would find Joe Burrow in my top 12 every single week. And, and to Fab's this point, guys, like think about some of the quarterbacks that are at the top of the Justin list. Justin right Herbert's now. been better. I'd rather have Herbert than Burrow. He's been. Oh no, Justin good. Herbert is absolutely a fantasy starter, hundred percent. But yeah. I mean, if you can, I, I, I don't know if you can name me eleven guys better than Joe Burrow right now. I'm not sure you could. Better well, than Joe just, Burrow. You, you start Jared Goff a, or Joe a, Burrow. I'm starting Joe Burrow over Jared Goff every day. No, I mean, of course. But what happens if Joe Burrow's playing the Bears and Goff's got the Well, Cowboys? okay. I mean, come on. That, I mean, that, right, fair enough. Right. I mean, like, in that's general. what I'm saying. Joe Burrow's not a guy that I'm starting every single week regardless of the matchup. He's just not. I'm not going to start I, I, Drew Brees against the Bears. Well, right, no, but, that's... But, right, but, that's I mean, but I'm starting Mahomes. I'm starting Lamar Jackson. I'm starting Russell Wilson. I'm starting, you know, even maybe Josh Allen. So there's, there's plenty of guys Ooh. out there that, I, that I'd rather have. Uh, that Burrow, and, and I'm not saying Burrow's not a, a very good quarterback, and he absolutely is. But even you know, looking at the numbers right now, Joe Burrow, he, he's had some stinkers, man. I mean, Kyler Murray is another guy I'd much rather have than Joe Burrow. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I'd rather have than Joe. I'd rather have Tom Brady than Joe Burrow right now. Carson Wentz has been better than Joe Burrow. You'd uh, rather Aaron play Rodgers Carson. You'd rather play Carson Burrow. Wentz every week. The guy who's the worst first half quarterback in the history of the NFL. Doc, he's averaging 20 points a game That's because right now. they're playing behind in every second half, much right. like Burrow. That's that's the trend. That's the trend. <laughs> Carson Wentz has been very good from a fantasy perspective. He's given you 20-plus points, I believe, in four of his last five games. You can't say that about Joe Burrow. You can't I, I think you, if you look at the quarterback situation right now, just to think about it from the perspective of how wacky this season has been, right? Like Dak Prescott is still coming into this week, the number five scoring quarterback, right? Ahead of Deshaun Watson, ahead of Lamar Jackson. In points per game on quarterbacks right now, 19th. Right. And, 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 and Ryan week. Fitzpatrick and Ryan Fitzpatrick, the guy, the guy that was just benched in Miami for two attack is the number eight fantasy quarterback. Oh just That's behind Fabs's Lamar guy, Penn. That's Fabs's guy. You can't talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He oh, loves I mean, it. it breaks my heart, man. I know. I know. I know. And to, and to his point, by the way, too, about Carson Wentz, currently the number nine scoring fantasy quarterback. So you're like from you're you're right, Doc, from the standpoint of this is a guy that is going to throw regardless of the matchup. Joe Burrow makes a ton of sense. But if you go and actually look uh, from his fantasy points, per game he's still the number 18 quarterback guys, right now in guys, fantasy you got you guys are look you can't look that way you have to move forward because when you play balt with baltimore and you play indianapolis and you play cleveland you, you those numbers are skewed those numbers are skewed i'm saying from this point forward when you look at joe burrow he's absolutely unquestionably a top 12 quarterback maybe up to this point because of his matchups he hasn't been but i don't look that way i'm trying to win a fantasy championship no, from from the from the looking forward perspective, Doc, I, I'm with you. It seems like the schedule, especially that stretch against Washington and the Giants and Miami and Dallas, like six games Houston, that are it, gems. Yeah, those are great matchups for him. I don't doubt that for a second. 
no doubt. All right, let's move on. We got plenty more games to be able to get to. Uh, I want to talk about Detroit and Atlanta because as an Indiana Hoosier football fan, I got the glory of watching Penn State fail to not get into the end zone uh, when the game was about to be decided. They could have just gone down at the one-yard line. And I thought, okay, the world is watching this game. Nobody in the NFL will make that same type of mistake. And sure enough, the Falcons and the Lions, two teams that find the best ways possible to lose games at the end of games. Uh, Atlanta was able to do it. Todd Gurley found him himself in the end zone. It gave Matthew Stafford an opportunity with no time left on the clock to connect with TJ Hawkinson. Lions end up getting a 23-22 win and the Falcons find yet another way to blow a late lead. So from a fantasy perspective here, guys, I think it was encouraging to see Matthew Stafford throw for over 300 yards. Wish we could have had him see him connect a few more times in the end zone. Kenny Galladay continued to have a big game. Marvin Jones finally started to step through. Uh, And then on the other side for the Falcons, guys, Matt Ryan continues to chuck it all over the field. uh, Threw for a touchdown. Todd Gurley at 23 rushing yards. Julio, Calvin Ridley both had solid games. Uh, Is there anything I would say and Doc, I'll start with you here. Is there anything that we learned from either Detroit or Atlanta from a fantasy level moving forward? Is it basically just, we know these guys from a matchup-based level are going to be fairly solid each and every week? No, I, I think people are missing something that's very important here. You look at the, the box scores and you see Matthew Stafford with an incredible game. You do. But he didn't have an incredible game in the, until like the, the very last eight minutes of the game, Right. When he had a throw, they were, it was, he was like 15 for 19 for 216 yards heading into the fourth quarter, like in the mid fourth quarter. So what worries me is that the Detroit lions, as much as you want them to throw the football, how come TJ Hawkinson only gets like five targets a game, right? Even when he had possibly the best matchup that he's ever going to see, right? He's had a great matchup for the last like three, four weeks. Yeah, I'm just saying he just doesn't get more targets. Look at the numbers. It's like five, four, four, five. You know, that Galladay, Galladay should have had two. He should have been like Devontae Adams yesterday. Did you see those catches that he had? Unreal. It just worries me that, and I'll say it the same way for the Falcons. When they got to the red zone, it was a Todd Gurley love fest. So these teams worry me in that we think that they're more high octane than they are. But I think when they get where they want to be, they're slower paced than we think. Fab, do you agree with that? Yeah, I was actually disappointed in the numbers of Stafford and Ryan from a fantasy perspective. I thought they'd both be top 10 quarterbacks this week. Right now, going into Monday night, Stafford's 15th, Ryan's 16th. And like getting 17 or 18 points is okay, but those defenses are awful. And those defenses have been giving up far more points to the opposition. I thought, uh, I agree with Doc, I think, uh, Galladay could have had a much bigger game than he did. And, you know, Julio got his, he was targeted a bunch. Uh, I thought he would have had a better game, maybe gotten into the end zone. The lack of touchdowns, I think for the quarterbacks were the big, uh, issue for me where each player scored only one touchdown through the air. I was expecting more. And one, I'll tell you one thing that, and again, this is, this is about the backfields, right? The, the difference between DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson, it wasn't that big. And we had heard reports, you know, my pally and Rappaport said that the Lions were going to be giving Swift maybe a little bit of a bigger role. Didn't happen. I mean, he played more snaps than Peterson, but the touches were were negligible, that difference. So I wonder if Peterson's ever going to go away in that backfield. But I do feel like uh, I was expecting more from from these, these quarterbacks and, and specifically these teams. Hell, the second touchdown that Todd Gurley scored, he 
scored mistakenly. He didn't want to score the touchdown, and he kind of fell over the goal line and got in. Fantasy owners love it, but ultimately, Gurley's been very good, but there's going to be a time when the matchups go south, and you want to sell high on him. And I would suggest that that will be next week. He's got Carolina. He'll run all over them. After that, sell high on Gurley. I think that makes a lot of sense considering the, uh, you know, what the potential schedule for Todd Gurley might look like over the next handful of weeks. It's at Carolina. That's the Thursday night game. Then at, uh, excuse me, home against Denver, then a bye. And then things are going to start to get difficult with matchups against New Orleans in two of the next three weeks against the, um, against LA and then Tampa and Kansas city in weeks 15 and week 16. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue. All right. We've, we've been talking for a while here. So I want to fly through some of the afternoon games then get a perspective on the Monday night game tonight. And also your top waiver wire pickup ahead as we have about five minutes left. So yeah, Tampa Bay and Vegas, Tampa ran all over Vegas. Great games really from Tom Brady. Uh, Ronald Jones continues to put up solid numbers. Uh, Can we talk about that backfield? God darn it. It's going to drive me nuts. Fournette was the better back. He was the better back in that game. Better from a fantasy perspective. Got more touches. I mean, Doc, is this thing going to be a headache the rest of the season as long as both of these dudes are healthy? No, I think it's going to be Fournette. I really do. I mean, I think Rojo is going to have his spots here and there, but I think this is Fournette. He's a better receiver out of the backfield. And now when you've got Brown coming in, you can't mess this up. This is this is the time to win, and I think this is going to be more Fournette. Pretty crazy considering that Ronald Jones, I think for the last three weeks, had over 100 yards rushing. Yeah. So he's been absolutely fantasy viable. We talked briefly about Justin Herbert, guys. Again, it was an ideal spot against Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville almost made it close, but the idea that maybe Gardner Minshew might have saved his season for another week certainly is in play. Anything we learned from Jacksonville and, and the Chargers here, Doc? I think Gardner Minshew is going to lose his job over the bye week. I mean, DJ Chark is just, and he can't he can't find him. I mean, Chark was open all game long. I, I can't blame him for that. James Robinson's a beast, and I, and I think it was great to watch him just continue to thrive in this offense. But I'm very worried about Minshew. But on the other hand, I mean, the Chargers, they miss Eckler desperately. The running game has been mediocre. But how good is Justin Herbert? How good was Keenan Allen? Where was Mike Williams? Where was Hunter Henry? Both guys, especially Henry, was very highly uh, rostered in in DFS, especially on DraftKings. So that needs to fix. But, I mean, the charges look good. Fabs, from the 49ers and Patriots perspective, Cam gets bent for Jared Stidham. Is there any chance that he's able to salvage his fantasy season moving forward? And on the other side for the 49ers, they lose yet another running back that was playing well. So is there anybody on that side of the ball that you can feel secure with, knowing that they're going to continue to run and run successfully moving forward? Yeah, and and, and that's what stinks about this situation, is that when Raheem Mostert is not available, the backfield becomes a massive headache. Uh, a land of confusion, if you will. Uh, this is one of those situations where a lot of people like McKinnon. I didn't like him last week. I didn't expect him not to play, barely. I mean, and then we hear that Shanahan uh, was planning on resting him the whole time. Jeff Wilson leaves the game with an injury. Looked like a pretty bad injury. Maybe he's going to miss some time. Tevin Coleman could be back this week, right? Is it going to be Jamichael Hasty? I have no idea, okay? I would suggest Hasty will be a popular ad off the waiver wire, and Tevin Coleman should also be a popular ad off the waiver wire, but this is going to end up being a committee situation until Raheem Mostert comes back. Unfortunately, uh, for fantasy fans, it's going to be kind of rough. The Patriots are, and I, I don't think, Doc, I've said this in 20 years. The Patriots are a fantasy wasteland right now. Oh, they are. God. Terrible. Cam Newton's shoulder, I don't know what's up. I don't know if it's not right. I have no idea. You can't play. Cam Newton's going to get dropped in leagues, guys. 
He's terrible. And how about Julian Edelman? You feel sorry for this guy. He can't oh. run anymore. His knee's hurt and Harry's bad. James White's bad. The only guy, maybe Damian Harris. I don't know, Fabs. That's about the only guy I'm willing to roster. Right, right. Yeah. It, it, no doubt. But like, you know, it's got to be a positive game script because if it's not, they're going to throw the ball. He doesn't get utilized in the passing game. Rex Burkhead was more involved. It that boy that and, and you remember you remember how everyone was out there saying boy, the Patriots made another Patriot move with Cam Newton. Nobody wanted him. And boy, man, they look good. The Patriots just know all the right moves to make. Yeah, maybe not so much, folks. That's, that's why it's a week-to-week league. And for is, all, there was a, listen, as, as a Chicago Bears fan, a lot of reaction in Chicago was very much that. How come they didn't, you know, not give up a draft pick and get Andy Dalton or Cam Newton? You know, those those people made a really compelling point early on. But assuming Nick Foles can continue to write the ship in Chicago, uh, maybe that conversation changes. One last quick one. We saw the emergence of Le'Veon Bell for the Kansas City Chiefs. They really didn't need him, frankly, but still carried the ball six times for 39 yards, did not get a catch. He will eat next. Next week, and Clyde Edwards Alaire will gladly step back as Le'Veon Bell will just pound the whole team right into the ground. <laughs> Kansas City's going to be like, what, a 21 point favorite? Is that? They opened up at 20 and a half. That's unbelievable. Lock in, the, lock in the Bell touchdown, guys. Lock it in. Oh, dude, you, yeah. You it's might have to lock in two, Doc. It's if the prop bet is set at one and a half, there's going to be a part of me that is very much leaning towards the two side. All right. I, I don't know if we necessarily really need to touch on, on Bears and Rams for, for tonight. Is there any particular play, guys, as we can continue to go rapid fire here, that you feel is a must play? It's two solid defenses. Uh, you know, Obviously, Allen Robinson is going to be in play for Chicago, but uh, the Bears defense just takes all the weapons away. I, I just don't know if there's anybody on the Rams side that I care for tonight. Yeah, it, I mean, you probably started Woods. You probably started Cooper Cup. Uh, I'm assuming most people faded Jared Goff based on the matchup. Uh, Daryl Henderson is going to be interesting to me. He was a fade for me in this game because the Bears defense has been very good. And at some point, I think maybe they'll use Cam Akers a little bit more. Doc, what I want to know, uh, and this is this is going to be the matchup that I'm looking at the most in this game is David Montgomery against that, that Rams defensive backfield. I, that, that is, that is a matchup that I'm really looking forward to because a lot of people out there think Montgomery is a very strong play this week. And I'm not on board with that. I, the, the Rams played Zeke and they played Sanders and those guys both had very good games. Other than that, you take out those guys running backs as a whole are averaging about 15 points per game against uh, the LA Rams. What are your thoughts on Montgomery? You think he's a good play or is he more of a fade for you? I think he's like David Johnson to me. You know, he gets like, <laughs> that, a, that's a good comparison. You know, 40, David 50 Johnson. yards rushing, four catches for 30 yards. Maybe he finds the end zone. You're not, you're not winning a fantasy league because of him, but you're not going to lose it either. So that's probably where he is. All right. Before we get out of here, guys, if there was one top waiver wire candidate that you guys have circled on your list, that this is the guy to spend the most amount of money on from your free agent blind bidding stuff. Uh, Fabs, I'll start with you. Let's go rapid fire here. Who is that one guy heading into week eight for you? Right now, not knowing the status of Kenyon Drake, it would probably be Chase Edmonds. And he's out there in probably about 45 to 50% of leagues, uh, at least the ones that I'm looking at here at ESPN. Chase Edmonds is a difference maker. And I think he could end up taking that job from Kenyon Drake if Drake uh, is forced to miss significant time. What about for you, Doc? And I know that you're going to have your waiver wire column coming out to si.com slash fantasy on Tuesday. Yeah, no, that's a great one. I, I like that one, Fabs. I, I think I probably look at Rashard Higgins for the Browns. I mean, somebody's got to take over as the starting uh, receiver there. Higgins is he's not a sexy player, but he's he's solid and he, and he runs decent routes. So I, I think he's uh, probably a guy to look at. 
one guy that I'm going to have at least my eye on for you know maybe another sort of stash and cash type play. Tua Tagovailoa, guys. Remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback eight in fantasy. They're in a terrible division. And I think the weapons around Tua might actually see their numbers improve because he's going to be more efficient with the football. I don't know whether or not he's going to be type of, you know, Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow type numbers from the other rookie in this class. But um, there's a lot of athleticism. There's a lot of really intriguing offensive weapons in Miami. And I think he's a name to at least watch out for. Maybe you don't play him right away, but perhaps down the rest of the fantasy season, he's putting up some outstanding numbers. Guys, thank you for joining us. Make sure you keep an eye out for Doc's prescription notes coming out later on today. Doc will also have his waiver wire pickups for Tuesday and, of course, stardom and sit for Fabs coming up Wednesday. And then on Thursday, Fabs and I will have our low ownership plays on DraftKings as well as our value plays. Of course, the visionary plays from Doc on Friday. So for Doc, for Fabs, I'm Benny Heiss. Thank you guys for joining us on the SI Fantasy Podcast presented by DraftKings. DraftKings.